This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, O Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. The Everglades have a secret. The St. John's River knows it too. Maybe the answer is hidden. The white sands of the Gulf Island seashore. Whatever it is, it's evaded man. The state known for sunshine has kept this truth in the dark. How to elect a Democrat statewide in Florida. Many believe this to be impossible. The red tide has crept too far inland. Flooded strongholds once thought to be impenetrable. Democrats should flee to higher ground, like Georgia and Texas. After all, the re-election of Governor Ron DeSantis flipped once unthinkable Democratic strongholds like Miami and Palm Beach. But contrary to modern thought, Ancient history reveals electing Democrats in Florida can be done. We'll win Florida again. We'll win this election. We'll finish what we started. This is a man named President Barack Obama in 2012. He won Florida en route to re-election. Scientists believe recreation of this success is theoretically possible. Well, if that's true, we all have a lot of new thinking to do. Journey with me into the heart of America's antenna, amidst the retirees, the snowbirds, and cocaine. We hunt for the secret, the key to the past, a possible door to the future, a blue Florida. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program. My name is Justin Robert Young. I got a feeling that this episode is going to get a few people that aren't regular listeners to hear it. And if you are one of those people trying the PX3 program for the first time, first off, welcome. I would like to now declare my biases. I am a Florida man. I was raised in Broward County. That's to the southern and eastern tip of the state. Davie, to be specific, if you're from around that area. I'm a proud graduate of South Plantation High School. Yes, that is the real name. It's named after the town of Plantation, but they already had one Plantation High School, and in the population boom of the 20th century, they had to build a new one, but instead of giving it literally any other name, they decided to affix the only word that would make Plantation sound more racist, South, to the front of it. All that being said, I specifically grew up in the heyday of Florida being the epitome of a purple state. I was only months away from voting age when this happened. 
who will emerge the winner in the historic Florida recount? We'll get the latest and speak with the man leading George Bush's efforts. My science teacher, Mr. Friedman, was among the volunteers to count those ballots. And yet, these days, it's very popular amongst Democratic-leaning strategists to suggest that Florida is a lost cause. That money from the National Party would be better spent in states that have trended blue in the last few cycles. Georgia. Arizona, and even Texas get mentions. Here's their argument. The last Democratic governor to be elected in Florida was Lawton Childs in 1994. He beat a baby-faced Jeb Bush long before the exclamation point. But Jeb got his win back in 1998, and that's been it. It's a parade of Republicans in the governor's mansion since. The last senator to win statewide in Florida is Bill Nelson in 2012, although he narrowly lost to former Governor Rick Scott in 2018. And as we pointed out in the intro, Obama wins in 2012, but Hillary loses in 2016 by roughly a point and a half. Biden loses by three, less close. And then there's what happened last fall, a total collapse of the Democratic presence in Florida. A 20-point victory, basically, for Ron DeSantis over Charlie Crist. Listen to the doomsayers. While MAGA has proven to be unpopular in other purple states, it's found a home in Florida. And if that's the case, then in 2024, the National Party should spend their money elsewhere. After all, when you look at the calculus of getting to an electoral college victory for a Democrat, you don't need Florida to win. So, is Florida as red as the 2022 election would suggest? No. I mean, listen, Florida, in all purposes, is is certainly no worse than a lean Republican state. Uh, The state has not moved 15 points in two or four years. That's Steve Shale. He was the director of the Obama-Biden campaign in Florida in 2008 and a senior advisor in 2012. Four years ago, uh, Andrew Gillum, frankly, should have beaten uh, DeSantis, arguably kind of missed the layup uh, in the closing minutes. Um, But it was a, you know, 30,000 vote race. So things are probably a little closer than they appear. And yet the state party of Florida Democrats is in shambles, facing an absolute trouncing, an embarrassment in 2023. The head of the state's party, Manny Diaz, resigned this year in January. So with that being said, if you were going to look on the sunny side of Sunshine State Democrats, how would you rebuild the party? What would you focus on? And are there any signs that this is going to get better? Let's begin. The biggest problem with the Florida Democratic Party to hear Steve tell it is that it's never existed. Even in the heyday of Lawton Childs, the party only really served as the funding arm for larger-than-life candidates who dominated the top of the ticket. And if you don't have any of those with a D next to their name in the state capital of Tallahassee and not Washington, D.C., well, 
you don't really have much of anything outside of a presidential election cycle. You know, fundamentally, uh, as a party institution, you know, the Democratic Party of Florida has, has essentially existed as an institution for about six months around every presidential election cycle. Uh, it's, there's, there's never really been long term real infrastructure built there. Uh, if you look at voter registration trends over the last 20 years or so, there'll be huge spikes uh, uh, towards Democrats right around presidential election cycles. Then they'll go away. And so spiked up in 08, we spiked up in 12, we spiked up in 16. You know, they didn't really have an operation on the ground in 20 because of COVID. You know, I, I'm not I can't argue. I mean, I can't argue with their decision at the time, you know, but that, that had an impact. Um, you know, and the Republicans sort of never take their foot off the gas. And, you know, and so I think there's some like just blocking and tackling things that, you know, we don't do well. Quick electoral fact here. Florida once went from 1877 to 1967 without a Republican governor. These days, though, some Floridians have a hard time remembering the last time they had a Democratic governor. What were you doing the last time there was a Democratic governor in Florida? I'm trying to remember who that even was. Can you tell me who that was? That's uh, my mom. Uh, she lives in Florida. She votes in Florida. And we did this interview on I-4, the interstate that connects Tampa, Orlando, and the east coast of Central Florida. Yeah, and didn't he at one point after or during while he was governor, didn't he go and like do these everyday jobs? Like he went and worked as a... As a, a, uh, a bagger at the grocery store and uh, Graham, was his name Graham? It might have been. All I know to be honest, that, I have no uh, idea who my mom is remembering right here. However, it does bring us to a point about Florida politicians, no matter who they are. And the Democrats have had a paucity of this strain. Big personalities. Lawton Childs was the last governor of Florida that had a D behind his name. And he became famous in the state of Florida when running for Senate in 1970. He, at that point, was a state senator from Lakeland. That's in the Orlando area. But to raise his profile, he decided to walk on foot from Pensacola, that's up in the top, to Key West. It's all the way in the bottom. It drew a lot of attention, and it brought him in contact with a lot of regular Floridians. Senator Childs, what's the basic issue you found, the one overriding issue from Pensacola to Miami that seems to be troubling the people? Uh, The overriding issue that people are frustrated and fed up with the fact that they don't think their vote counts or what they say or think uh, counts anymore. Uh, They never see an elected official. Uh, They just see them on television when they talk to them. And their taxes go up and up, uh, but they can't find anything in those taxes that they think affects them. Which brings us to another element of Florida. It's unique. A reminder that two-thirds of the state of Florida are not born in Florida. And one-fourth of the population wasn't born in the United States. This is something that Steve very much believes needs to be kept in mind when you're developing a statewide strategy. You're essentially talking to at least three states and probably at least two or three countries. Florida is not a state in the same way that most places are state. You know, so if you're from if you live in Texas, there's something that when you think of Texas, you like you sort of there's an image of it or, you, or like 
you're in Pennsylvania, sort of steel worker, Michigan, car workers or toughness or, you know, Iowa or corn farmer. So if you live in, let's say, the Tampa Bay area, there's a pretty good chance that you're from the Midwest. And so you're kind of a yeah, I grew up in, you know, where are you from? Well, I'm from Milwaukee, but I now live in South Tampa. There was if you go to, a, you know, if you, you know, when I was a kid, we go to Bucks Bears games because it was a Bears home game. You know, you go down the East Coast and, you know, you tend to get folks who 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 were on the I-95 corridors. You know, they used to call Broward County, as you know, the sixth borough of New York. Um, and uh, and then you take, you know, Orlando, which is the sort of interesting Orlando 25, 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, was the oldest and the whitest media market in the entire country, in the entire state. Um, and it is now the youngest and second most diverse. You know, but all of those places, the politics tends to look a little bit beyond Florida. We're going to get to some of the electoral challenges a little bit later in the podcast. But before we get too far away from Lawton Childs walking from Pensacola to Key West, I just want to highlight why those big personality stunts matter. And it's something that we've seen not only with Trump, but also with DeSantis. When your state is a conglomeration of a bunch of different communities that don't have a lot in common culturally, and half of which just arrived yesterday, having somebody that's larger than life can be a very important common bonding point. For the record, I think somebody walking from Pensacola to Key West, especially in the social media age, would be gigantic. Anyhow, let's get back to party structure. When will Florida Democrats be a thing? A thing not just during a presidential cycle, but something that would be there to build infrastructure and possibly even win back the governor's mansion. Well, according to Steve... There was one moment, a moment that everything could have changed. After Barack Obama wins in Florida back to back, the thought is had, why don't we invest now from a position of strength? Coming out of the Obama years, um, I personally thought there was a real opportunity for us to solidify the work that was done here, the infrastructure that was built for the, for, for the president's campaign and the reelection and the organizing for America work in the interim, and to solidify it as real permanent party infrastructure. And the decision was made um, that, uh, uh, that that the better long-term solution idea was to create a series of C3 and C4 groups that were, you know, that could, that could carry on that work, build the term was sort of build permanent progressive infrastructure. Uh, and, and so a lot of these party functions, a lot of these things that, you know, by, by Republican friends would traditionally think of as party functions, registering voters, turning voters out, engagement at the local level. Donors made the decision to fund outside groups to do those things. And, you know, and so there was there was really like there was a, there really was an intentional decision to underfund the party and, you know, you know, um, you know, in favor of these outside groups. And, I think if there's one thing it's you know that's been proven to be true is that that experiment failed. The call is coming from inside the house. When the Democrats in Florida had the time to make things right, they didn't. You want to know what? The national naysayers are right. They should not invest in this state. It's too diverse. It's too complicated. Nobody's minding the store when it's not an election year. And 
It's extraordinarily expensive, featuring some of the top media markets in the country. But wait, there is a reason. If Democrats don't play in Florida, the Republicans can take a pass, save that money, and play everywhere else in the country. We discuss the strategic value of Florida as well as how Democrats can reverse some of those demographic challenges after this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this program. If you would like more of what I do, well, you can go to TakePoliticsSeriously.com, sign up at our Patreon. Heads up, I know some of you guys would be like, oh man, it's Wednesday, the State of the Union was last night, what are your thoughts on the State of the Union? Don't worry, on Friday's episode of the program, we will be breaking everything down with the one, the only, Bill Share. He is going to help us uh, sort through all of the moments that, that were in the State of the Union and, and... What I quite frankly believe is on the Democratic side, the beginning of the 2024 campaign. This is traditionally when an incumbent sets up why they deserve re-election. So I didn't want to do a rush jab on it. I wanted to actually take some time with it. I wanted to have on somebody that has more of a sense of the history of things. And so we bring on Cher. It's going to be fun. So there we go. In the meantime, you will get a bonus podcast from me on Thursday. You will get a bonus podcast from me next Monday if you are signed up at the $3 level on our Patreon at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. This is the time. This is the season. This year and next year, this is when you want to be loaded up on political news. I really hope that we're kind of returning to a more traditional cycle of when people pay attention to this kind of stuff. Because everybody, look, I don't want to be the functional alcoholic who criticizes everybody who shows up to the bar on St. Patrick's Day. But some of y'all were some real, real amateurs after 2016. You're not supposed to consume politics that hard after the election. Trump kind of changed everything. Everybody went crazy. It became about the existential crisis of the day. Blah, 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 blah. By the way, go back and look at those headlines and see how much you should be. You should have been taking all that seriously. Anyway, now we are in the cycle. Now's when you should be taking things seriously. Now's when you should be hyperventilating about everything because it's hyperventilation season. I will help you. I will be your Sherpa. I will guide you through all of 2024. And if you'd like to get even more of it, you can head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Three bucks a week. That's all it costs. A cup of coffee. A cup of coffee for me. Buy me a cup of coffee once a week. You get two bonus podcasts. I feel like it's a fair deal. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Thank you guys so much.
so, I guess I've always considered myself more of a moderate. I'm, yeah. I'm not a true liberal. I'm not a true conservative. But I do believe in in aspects of both. Um, in a quarter mile, turn right onto South John. That's fine. No, 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 no. This is good. This makes the interview authentic. <laughs> My mom is an optimist when it comes Basically, to the in, in, Florida Democratic Party. She does believe that she is going to see a governor that is a Democrat. She does believe that a Democrat is going to win in Florida. And even though she considers herself more of a centrist, there is no doubt that the Democratic Party of Florida is counting on her vote. The Florida Democrats haven't had a great track record of counting on votes lately. One of the big stories coming out of the early Trump presidency was Hurricane Maria. It hit Puerto Rico, devastated the island. There were public fights between the president of the United States and the mayor of San Juan. It was a big scene. The electoral consequence was supposed to be that so many Puerto Ricans were going to flee the island and move to central Florida, which has a very large Puerto Rican population. Those voters who are more likely to be Democrat, and specifically pissed off about Donald Trump, would oust the president of the United States in the 2020 election. It didn't happen. And it has followed a series of quick fix solutions that the Florida Democrats have banked on. Something Steve has warned against. You know, whether it's the migration from Maria, whether it was, you know, we're going to legalize marijuana and put it on the ballot or Republicans putting gay marriage on the ballot. Like, I I just I the Florida's it's a huge, massive state and it's dynamic and it's growth. And, you know, like I just I've never bought into the theory that that a couple hundred thousand people moving in or is going to change anything in the same way that like I don't buy this theory today that a couple hundred thousand people that have moved here out of covid is going to change Florida permanently. But let's stay on the Hispanic voter tip for a second. There is no doubt that the Florida Democrats have fumbled the bag when it comes to Spanish-speaking voters. And the easy take that you hear repeated ad nauseum nationally is that, well, that's because Hispanics in Florida aren't like Hispanics other places in the country, and it's because they're Cubans and it's because they all live in Miami. Well. Spoiler alert, Hispanics in Florida are from all over the place. It is an incredibly multicultural area that spans the entire state. And it is not just Cubans. It's Venezuelans, it's Puerto Ricans, it's Colombians. It's everything. South Florida is the gateway for Central and South America into the United States. And to put them in any kind of monolith is a mistake. But there is one sign that is very troubling for blue voters, and that is that the message they are giving to the coalition of Hispanic voters in Florida isn't resonating. Democrats have made huge gains with Hispanics and given them all back. And, you know, but in fairness, you know, I argue with my friends outside of Florida, like, you know, we're not doing as well with Hispanics as we were 10 years ago anyways. So, I mean, like you can look at Florida and kind of write it off as a pariah or you can look at it and go like, you know, there's some, there's some canary in the coal mine sort of issues. The question of whether or not the Democratic message nationally is registering with Hispanic voters is one thing. And that's a whole nother conversation, something that probably 
isn't even as simple as that question makes it. There's large, very, very important lines that should be drawn between Hispanics with and without a college degree, young and old, blah, 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 blah. However, in Florida, there is, again, a very, very important lesson to be learned about localization. You can't have one message in Pensacola play to the person in Key West. Even if Lawton Childs walked both places, you have to tailor things very specifically for the Midwestern roots in Tampa, the New York roots in South Florida, and everywhere else in between. Steve gave an example of a state congressional candidate that he got elected as a Democrat in those Cuban neighborhoods in Miami that apparently are so vexing to everybody. Our candidate was not a like progressive type who, you know, you know, said nice things about socialism. Our candidate was a 64 year old firefighter who had tried to fight in the Bay of Pigs, um, who also thought that, by the way, we should fund education and healthcare and those things. But he could speak culturally uh, to the concerns of of, of Cuban voters um, in a way that uh, that someone like me couldn't. Um, so, so maybe so maybe next time cue up Despacito on the sound system instead of having him do it on his phone. Yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm just not going to your comment. Um. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Jokes aside, if you are a rich Democratic donor in Florida, or you know a rich Democratic donor in Florida, I would encourage you to send this podcast to them. Okay, are they listening? Hi, I'm Justin Robert Young. I do this podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. If you would like to see your party win, what I would encourage you to do is take your money and spend it on the party. In fact, if you're a really, really, really rich money bags, Democratic donor, I would find somebody like Steve who has been involved and knows all the players and knows other rich guys like yourself. And I would say, why don't you put effort and time into this organization? So it is not essentially a startup every four years because not only will it be less expensive in the long run, if you don't have to start everything from scratch, not only will you be working from somewhere other than the absolute no momentum dead stop, but you will also be able to continually bleed the opposite side which is Steve's biggest point about Florida. For anybody that wants to be a naysayer, for anybody who wants to believe that the Sunshine State should be written off by the Democratic machine, the number one answer on why not is, if you don't, you are effectively giving an in-kind donation to the Republican Party. Republicans, you know, basically have to win Florida to get to 270. I mean, the last Republican to go to the White House without winning Florida was Calvin Coolidge. And we had six electoral votes in malaria in those days. Like Democrats, Florida is always an add on state. You can compete in probably, you know, Arizona, Wisconsin and maybe Michigan combined uh, or certainly Arizona, like, you know, Wisconsin and Nevada for what it costs to compete in Florida. If you don't compete in Florida, you're basically saying to Republicans, like, here's $200 million that you don't have to spend here anymore. Go spend it in the places that matter. You know, and, and sort of the last point on that is, like, you know, for, for all the criticism that 
Michael Bloomberg got for the money he spent in Florida, it, it had a massive positive impact because it forced Donald Trump to spend everything he had in Florida um, because they had to win here. So there you have it. Recognize the cultural diversity of the state, have people that understand where rich people live and how to ask them for money run the state party, have the state party exist aside from once every four years, and indeed, the past could be the future. From Tallahassee to the Senate to the White House, Democrats could not simply be an endangered species in the Sunshine State. It is possible. It is within your grasp, Democrats. You could be the recipients of once more a blue Florida. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank our guest, Steve Shale, on this program, please head on over to letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. Again, that is px3guest.com. If you'd like to email this program, it is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter, px3tweets. Or you can follow me on Twitter, Justin R. Young. If you'd like to follow me live on the twitch.tv platform, you can do so, px3live.com. Although I'm not going to be on for Wednesday or uh, or Friday. Wednesday, I got to talk to Shale. Friday, I, uh, I'm on vacation. Gone fishing. If you want to share this podcast with your friends, family, or clergy, it is px3podcast.com. Of course, we are supported by you, the dear listenership of this program. If you'd like to give me a one-time donation, you can do so at paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo money is not real. I don't know if you guys have heard. Justin-Young-20 is how you can prove it to yourself and your God. Justin-Young-20. Our cash app is px3cash. And you can send anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Got some hot sauce in the mail. Thank you to Mr. Severio for sending me this hot sauce. Put it on some steak, some corn. Loving it. Of course, the only place you can get our bonus content is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule. And our $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic $10 tier. Dustin, Jason, Andres, C. Garcia, El Basso, John, Matt, Craig Potts, MC Radio. Unsafe DB level, Katie, Amanda, Yield, Pinball Shop, DP4, Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, and Vogloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris, Arslandian, Blue Front, and the Lenina, DL, 
Steve and Chad, Nomadic Terror, and Molly's dashing debut, Miranda Janelle, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul is awesome. Brad Richard, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike who loves Frank, got abducted. Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen A-L-D-L-D-L-D, really? Chopper, Andrew, and Joshua, if you'd like to join their ranks, head on over to Take Politics Seriously. Dot com. $10 tier is where you need to be for that. Like we mentioned earlier on Friday's episode of the program, we're going to be going over the State of the Union, the specific eye toward what this means for the launch of Biden 24, which is happening. It's just a matter of when. Still, this is going to be an interesting messaging thing. If you look back at the State of the Unions that have happened in the past, the first joint session of Congress wasn't even a State of the Union, was very much a a big progressive push. Last year, things got dialed back a little bit. And now you got to wonder what kind of impression Joe Biden wants to make. The economy's strong, but the polling says that the American people don't agree. <laughs> they think the economy kind of sucks right now. Very curious to see. Uh, we're recording this before that happens. So you'll hear all the deets on Friday's episode. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh! Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.